Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Nothing like teamwork, right? <laughs> because we are family and we need one another. Well, um, good morning, River Bluff family. It is, a, it is a pleasure to be here. It is certainly a privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, we, we find ourselves in a time of the season where it can be kind of anticlimactic. We, we just finished Christmas. Many of us uh, prepared for a month, if not more in advance, anticipating Christmas. And um, now Christmas is over, and we're looking forward to New Year's and a new new decade in this case. And and so this time in between Christmas and New Year's can be kind of anticlimactic. Okay, let's just get this week done with. Let's get on to New Year's so we can begin the new year. Um, And in many ways, the passage that we're going to look at this morning can kind of be the same way. The passage that we're going to look at is Luke 2, and we're going to begin with looking at verses 21 through 24. And this follows Jesus' birth, and it follows in the Gospel of Luke where all the shepherds come down from the fields in response to the message that the angels told them that the Savior was going to be born. And all the, the shepherds come down and they see this baby boy who is truly the Messiah and the Savior. And then they go back to their fields. And then right after this passage, we find um, a section of Scripture where Jesus is 12 years old. He's with his family in the temple. And then his mom and dad go home and they don't realize that they don't have Jesus with them. He gets left behind in the temple. And uh, I have a 12-year-old as well. And there have been some Sunday mornings when my wife is not here and I'm busy with ministry and such. And I get ready to go and I realize, oh yeah, there's somebody missing. Where is that 12-year-old? And so I can relate a little bit to Joseph and Mary in that sense. But this passage is a very important passage because there's a rich and beautiful presentation of the gospel here that I don't want us to miss. So let's go ahead and um, let's take a look at Luke 2, 21 through 24. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so what we have here in this part of uh, Luke chapter 2 is we have three different things going on. First, eight days after Jesus was born, they take him to be circumcised. Then they have to go through the um, purification. Mary, after giving birth to a child, as every Jewish woman would have had to have done, 
had to go through a purification time before she could come back to the temple and worship and be a part of the corporate worship. And then the third thing that we have going here in this passage is that every firstborn male child was to be dedicated to God. And so I want to take a look at each of those three things separately. And we're going to take a look at the Old Testament as it talks about each one of these requirements of the law. And we're going to take a look at the New Testament and see how that baby boy that they had in their arms was actually the fulfillment of that Old Testament law. So let's go ahead and we'll begin by looking at um, circumcision. And we see that in Genesis 17... 9 through 14. And we see that within the context of God renewing his covenant with Abraham. So let me read Genesis 17, 9 through 14. It says, Then God said to Abraham, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Now for us to really understand what's going on here, in this passage, and even in that section there from Genesis 17, we need to understand this in light of the big picture of Scripture. And, and Pastor Joe has been leading us week by week through uh, Christmas behind the scenes, and he's been spelling out this big picture of Scripture that we need to understand the birth of Jesus in. And I like to look at it in terms of four different things, creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. So we, we begin with creation, that's where the Bible begins with, and God created all things. God created mankind in His image. He created mankind in His image so that man could know God in a special way. That none of the rest of creation could know God. And so there's this special connection between God and man that none of the rest of creation has. And in this connection, man created in God's image, man has the incredible privilege of having God reveal himself to man. God reveals his, his power. God reveals his wisdom. God reveals his love, his justice, his mercy, his grace. And so as mankind, there was this incredible privilege that they received from God, being made in God's image. So God is a revealer here in creation, revealing himself to man. So that in turn, man would see his glory. And man would find pleasure in this almighty God, this amazing God who's all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving, filled with grace, forever merciful, 
All that is meant to bring a response of worship. A picture of God's glory. And so we see God creating mankind and giving him a special privilege, but he also gives him a special purpose because God's plan for all of creation was that these humans whom he had revealed himself to would then tell others about this glorious God so that God would be glorified throughout all the earth. And so we, we have creation and then we have the fall. Mankind turns away from God. And Pastor Joe, a couple weeks back, did a wonderful job of kind of taking us through what that looked like. But God did not give up on his plan for creation, for using mankind as his people who would bring him glory throughout the earth. And so God makes a promise there in Genesis 3.15. A promise that he would one day send a savior. A promise that he would continue to reveal himself to mankind. And that he would continue to use mankind to tell others about the glory of God. So that God would be glorified throughout all the earth. We see that God's image is corrupted in mankind. But we also see during this time that as a part of God's plan, He creates a family, beginning with Abraham, a covenant people. So that's what we just looked at here in Genesis 17. God's covenant with Abraham. I will be your God. You will be my people. You'll have a special relationship with me. I will reveal myself to you, God says, in a special way that none of the other nations will know. But along with that special privilege, you also have a special purpose and responsibility. So we see that God creates a people for himself to whom he will reveal his glory but through whom he will reveal his glory to the rest of the world. So those people that are part of that covenant family that we see here in Genesis 17 had the responsibility of taking that wonderful picture of the glory of God, his wisdom, his power, his love, his justice, his mercy, his grace, and so on. And they had the incredible privilege of being, as it says in the Old Testament, a light to the nations. So that God would be glorified throughout the earth. God did not give up on his plan just because man turned away from him. And so he creates his covenant family. Then next we come to the idea of redemption. And in redemption, God himself comes. Because man continues to turn away and turn away from God. And God continues to give them opportunity after opportunity. That covenant family that we knew as Israel, the Jews, continued to turn away from God. So God, it says, at just the right time, came himself in the person of Jesus Christ to take care of matters, to continue to fulfill this plan that he had to be glorified throughout all the earth. And so we see that, as we're going to take a look at, that God opens up the opportunity to become a part of this covenant family to more than those who were just Jews. 
to anyone who would trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, to anyone who would be a true follower of Jesus Christ. We'll take a look at that in a second. So God continues to work out His plans and purpose for His glory throughout all the earth. And then, finally, we come to renewal. And in renewal, we see that God completely fulfills His plans and purposes for being glorified throughout the earth. All people will have this revelation of God. How amazing, how awesome, how mighty He is. And His wisdom, His power, His might, His love, His justice, mercy, grace. All people at that time, as God says, I will make a new heaven and a new earth and I will dwell in this new Jerusalem. That's what everything is pointing towards. Everything is working towards. God's final fulfillment of His plans and purposes for creation. And so we need to understand this passage in light of that bigger story. Because we could go to a text like Genesis 17 and say, that's nice that... Um, well, I don't know if it's nice that they had to be circumcised. I wouldn't quite put it that way. But it's nice that they, at that time beginning with Abraham and his descendants, got to become a part of God's covenant family. And they would receive this special revelation from God of who He is and receive this special purpose in life to share that revelation of God's glory throughout all the earth. And so that's the, the big story that we find this within in the context of what we need to look at here. So we see with circumcision, God is creating a covenant family to whom He will reveal Himself in a special way. He'll, he reveals Himself in His wisdom and might and power. He calls His covenant family to depend on Him and trust in Him, to obey Him, to follow Him. And to share that glory that's being revealed to him to all the other nations around them. That was the intent for God's covenant family at that time. And that's the context of what we need to understand this within. And so, this baby in their arms that they took to be circumcised on the eighth day makes a new way for people to become a part of that covenant family. Makes a new way for people to receive this special revelation from God of His glory. Not so they could just keep it for themselves, but so that they could share it with others. So let's take a look at Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 and see how this is fulfilled in the New Testament. So Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. And so, what we see from this passage in Ephesians is that because of Jesus Christ, because of that baby that they had in their arms, 
as he grew up and lived the perfect life, as he died on the cross for forgiveness of sins, as he was raised from the dead three days later, as he then... Um, Several uh, days later, ascended to heaven to be with his father again. Opens up a new way for people to become a part of this covenant family. And to receive the incredible privilege of God's revelation of his glory to them. All of who he is. But also given the special responsibility to take that glory that they're receiving from God and, and share it with others. So if you take a look at your worksheets, it says, Jesus made a new way for us. Jesus has made a new way for us to be a part of God's covenant people. So we can tell others about God's goodness, greatness, and glory. You see, when God calls us to salvation, when God calls us to become a part of His covenant family... He also calls us to His service. And that service is just living out that revelation of God's glory in your life through obedience, through dependence, and trusting on Him. But also telling others about this glorious God that you now have a special relationship with. And so, as we take a look at that passage in Luke 2, we see that on the eighth day, they took the baby boy, Jesus, to be circumcised. There's a lot more to it than just the fact that he's getting his foreskin cut off. But let's move on to the next uh, thing here that we see in that passage in Luke 2. And that's the purification for women after giving childbirth. And we find that in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. So let's go ahead and read through that. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonial, ceremonially unclean for seven days just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is set apart as holy. And she must not enter the sanctuary until her time of purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, she will be ceremonially unclean for two weeks, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. After waiting 66 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offerings to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then present them to the Lord to purify her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again after bleeding at childbirth. These are the instructions for a woman after the birth of a son or a daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will be ceremonially clean. So this was under the old covenant law. 
And as you read through the book of Leviticus, you see a whole lot about clean and unclean. There were, there were foods that were clean and there were foods that were unclean. There are all ty- types of regulations and instructions for that which is clean and that which is unclean. And what God is trying to tell the people his covenant family at that time is that I am holy. You are not. You are sinful people. You have become a part of my covenant family. I have revealed my glory to you in a special way and give you, given you a special privilege. But I want you to know that in your daily life, the things that you do make you unclean. There was no way of escaping the idea of being unclean. If you ate the wrong food, if you went the wrong way, if you did the wrong thing, you would be unclean. And God is trying to make a point here. He's trying to show them that they needed to be made clean. And they couldn't make themselves clean. There's no way in their daily life or their weekly life that they could go through and be completely clean because there were all these regulations and rules and laws. And so God says you need to sacrifice an animal in order to be made pure, in order that you can come before me as a holy God and worship me, not only individually, but separately, because we saw that the, the woman after giving childbirth couldn't even come to the sanctuary to be with others, to worship God. And so God is showing them through this idea of cleanness and uncleanness and through the sacrifice that they needed to be made clean because they were dealing with the Holy God. So as we look at those rules and regulations, God is telling the people about themselves He's telling the people about him and who he is. And he's telling them about how they can have a right relationship with him. And if you track that idea of being purified throughout the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis and through Leviticus and on, you'll see that when... When they took that sacrifice to the priest and the priest sacrificed that animal, then it says they were made right with God. And they could come to God. And they could know Him in the special way. They could worship Him. And so God is teaching the people about themselves, about Him, and about their relationship with Him. And so this baby in their arms that they had, and as Mary had to go away through this period of time, as they had to bring a sacrifice to offer, The gospel is seen in that. Because we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of that law. Jesus brings cleanness. Jesus brings forgiveness. Most importantly, Jesus brings the opportunity to be made right with God. And so let's take a look at Hebrews 9, verses 9 through 15, to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of that law says, this is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. 
For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the internal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. So we see here that Jesus is the one who truly brings cleansing. Jesus is the one who truly brings that opportunity to be made right with God. I'm going to, this won't show up uh, here on the screen, but I want to read just a short section from Hebrews 10 that kind of adds to this. It says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So these, this Old Testament sacrifice that we see here as we looked at um, that section in uh, Leviticus 12 did not bring them perfect cleansing. It made them right with God, but they still knew they were sinners. And the next year they needed to come and offer another sacrifice. And that happened year after year. But Christ, it says, offered himself once for all time to bring perfect cleansing. To bring people to be made right with God by trusting in his finished work at the cross. And so we see here a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus making a way for us to be made right with God. Jesus being that sacrifice that cleanses us perfectly so that we don't need to go year after year to bring another sacrifice. And so Jesus cleanses us from sin. And on your worksheet it says, Jesus' sacrifice makes us right with God so that we can now reflect his image and glory to others. Because remember, we're looking at this within the context of the big picture. We've been brought into God's covenant family. We're made right with God. 
Not to just keep it to ourselves and enjoy it for ourselves, but so that as God reveals His glory to us, we can go share His glory with others. As God continues to carry out His plan that He had from the beginning of creation, actually even before that, to be glorified throughout this earth, using His people, His covenant family, as the instrument that He will accomplish this being glorified throughout all the earth. And so the third thing that we see here is the dedication of the firstborn male child. And we find that here in Exodus 13, verses 11 through 16. So let me read that for you. It says, That is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise He swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the, bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord. Except that the firstborn sons are always, to, are always bought back. This ceremonial will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. So we see here that the dedication of the firstborn male child is to be a reminder to the people that God had given them freedom. Freedom from that slavery and oppression that they had experienced there in Egypt for hundreds of years. And as we look at the story and as we come to the time of Jesus, we see that the people of Israel had been oppressed not only by the Egyptians, but following that by the Medes and Persians. And then after that, the Greeks. And finally, when we come to Jesus' time, they're being oppressed by the Romans. And so God, in that old covenant time, says, you must bring your firstborn male child. Dedicate him to me. Then you must buy him back by offering a sacrifice. He's mine, says God. He's mine to use as I choose and as I will to continue to carry out my plans and purposes to be glorified throughout all the earth. And so, Joseph and Mary, keeping that Old Testament, Old Covenant law, bring their firstborn male child, Jesus, to be dedicated at the temple. Not realizing that it was that baby in their arms that they were bringing who would actually fulfill that old covenant law. And he would be the perfect fulfillment for freeing his people from slavery and oppression 
to sin and self and Satan. And so let's take a look at Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, and see how Jesus is the fulfillment of that Old Testament law. So Galatians 4 reads as such, But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And so we see that that baby that they had in the arms, in their arms, as they went to keep the Old Covenant, Old Testament law, was actually the fulfillment of that idea of being dedicated to God as the firstborn male child. And so Jesus sets his covenant people free. Free not so that they could live for themselves. Free so that they could be used of God to continue to carry out His plans and purposes for creation. To be glorified throughout all the earth. Free so that they could receive His special revel revelation of His glory. And then they could share that glory with others. And so if you take a look at your worksheets here. It says, Jesus sets us free. Jesus has set us free from the law so that we can demonstrate and declare to others what life is like in our Father's kingdom. So we're set free. That's a great and wonderful thing. But we're not set free just so that we can enjoy it, sit and bask in the, the freeness that we have and use it for our own good, we're set free to be used of God as His covenant people, as I've said. To bring Him glory throughout the earth. So we have this incredible, incredible privilege because of Jesus Christ to be brought into God's covenant family. To be His people. So that we can be used of him in a very special way. So we have a privilege. But we also have an incredible responsibility. Has God shown you in your life his power? Has God shown you in your life his wisdom? Has God shown you in your life his love? His grace? His mercy. I think God has shown that to all of us. All of us who are true followers of Jesus Christ have had this special revelation of God through His Word, by His Spirit, revealing that to us of who this amazing, incredible God is. He reveals His glory to us as part of His covenant family. What an incredible privilege we have. He's done that for us. But more importantly, He's done it because He's still carrying out His plans and purposes to be glorified throughout the earth. 
And so we have this privilege, but we have this incredible responsibility. And um, I want to end by just uh, showing a short video. Because as I said here, we have a beautiful, a rich and wonderful picture of the gospel in these few short verses found in Luke 21 through 24. The, the story goes on, talks about how Simeon had been waiting and had received this promise that he would see the Messiah before he died. And he did receive that promise. And he was able to see Jesus as, as Joseph and Mary brought him to the temple for that dedication. He says, this is the one on whom all the nations will know that I am God. God continuing to carry out his plans of purpose. And then that passage ends. Um, in verse 38, as uh, Anna also had been waiting for the Messiah, and she sees Simeon and Joseph and Mary holding that baby in their arms, and she hears Simeon say, this is the Messiah, the one who is the light to the nations, so that all people will have that opportunity to receive the revelation of God's glory. And she says she could not stop telling others about what she had seen and heard. So you see that theme continues to play out. Once you receive that revelation of who this God is in His glory, you get to tell others about this wonderful, glorious God. So let's take a look at this uh, short video here. Karl Barth had this particular painting. Let's pull this painting up. He hung it above his desk. Uh, Matthias Grunewald painted it 1528. Uh, and he had, Karl had this particular painting above his desk. And people asked him, why this painting? Of all the paintings about Jesus, why have this one? What, what about this one that stands out? Especially, you know, John and his, like, John the Baptist here and his elongated finger. And, like, in fact, he said, is my favorite part of the painting. My whole life, all six million words, all that stuff, it's about pointing to Jesus. It's all about pointing to Jesus, living stones. You see, how stupid would it look with Jesus Christ on a cross right here and John's doing this? I'm the hope of the world. I'm the gospel. I'm the savior. I'm the judge. I'm the good news. I'm who you need. It's all about me. How ridiculous would that painting look? No, he's pointing at Jesus going, it's all about Jesus. Living stones, this is who we are to follow. Ultimately, Christ and his steps. But this is a forerunner whom Jesus says, nobody's ever seen a man like John the Baptist before. Living stones, this is what our entire life posture is to be. One of pointing to Jesus. So whether it's morning, you're pointing to Jesus. In the evenings, you're pointing to Jesus. Sun's out, you're pointing to Jesus. If it's raining in your life, it's pointing to Jesus. If you're living, you point to Jesus. Dying, you point to Jesus. When you've been sinned against, you point to Jesus. When you've done great sin, you repent 
and you point to Jesus, you point to Jesus in prayer, you point to Jesus in your community, you point to Jesus when you read scripture, you point to Jesus in your relationships, you point to Jesus in your workplace, you point to Jesus in living and dying, you're constantly, always, solely pointing to Jesus. This Jesus says that Reno has a savior. And you're pointing to that Jesus going, none of you have gone too far. None of you have sinned too much. None of you, none of you, none of you have out this grace. This is what we live for. So we get together as an entire community and we're all pointing to Jesus. And we're going to plant more churches and all they're going to do is keep pointing to Jesus. And we're going to keep singing to Jesus, praying to Jesus, preaching about Jesus. And we're never going to shut up about Jesus because this Jesus gave his life and saved us from the hell and the wrath of God. So living stones, your life and your responsibility as a Christian is to make up your mind. Is this the son of God? And if he is, point to Jesus. So we as a covenant family, as a family of families, the family of River Bluff, have an incredible privilege having God reveal his glory to us, but we also have an incredible responsibility to point to Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, we, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for who you are as an incredible, glorious God, an all-wise God, an all-powerful God, a God full of love and grace and mercy and justice. And we could go on and on about who you are. And we should go on and on about who you are. And as you've given us this incredible privilege, made possible through Jesus Christ, you've also given us an incredible responsibility to point back to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. As he continues to carry out your plan to be glorified throughout the earth, as he's called us to be part of that covenant family. So my prayer for us as the family of River Bluff is that together we would point to Jesus. And my prayer is that in our individual lives we would point to Jesus as a continuation of your plans and purposes to be glorified throughout the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 11.30 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.